0: Well, come on, church. Who's ready for week number five of our series? Mama didn't raise no fool, gaining wisdom from the Proverbs. Why are we gaining wisdom? We're gaining wisdom because Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 tells us that gaining wisdom is the most important thing we can do. The most important thing that we can do is gain wisdom. So let's do it. Let's gain some wisdom. Thank you for joining us. If you're live and in person, we're so glad that you've chosen to worship alongside of us today. If you're tuned in online on television, thank you for tuning in to all the men and women joining us from correctional facilities and prisons all across the nation and throughout central Ohio. Come on church, can we put our hands together for the men and women joining us from behind bars? You are not a project for this church you are a part of this family and uh, we we just want to honor you today and also just a a shout out to all of our spanish-speaking family members who are with us here right now thank you for joining us i I shared with you last week that uh, we sort of called an audible i've had on my heart a very different message for both last week and this week for months now and as we were heading into last week and i felt the holy spirit lay on my heart that it was uh, time to speak to something a bit different. And and the two words that came to mind were the words anger and honor. And so we talked about anger last weekend. And just in case you missed last week's message, even if you were here, I I think it's important to remember how this is going to tie in to today's message. We, We learned a lot about anger. And one thing we learned about anger, according to the word of God, is that anger isn't always a bad thing. Amen. Sometimes anger is the most appropriate response. We learn that anger is a gift from God. That that God gets angry, though He's not an angry God. Jesus got angry, but but He was never known as an angry person. And the Proverbs have a lot to say in regards to anger and and the issue more often than not it's not with the anger that we feel it's how we steward the anger we feel that's what matters most what we do with the anger that we feel matters most and I, I think last week we all agreed that we're living right now in an angry world can I get an amen come on people are angry you might be angry and anger unresolved leads to something called contempt contempt and to have contempt for someone in your heart means that you despise them. You 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 want to disgrace them. You, you tend to dishonor those that you have contempt for. And if I look, if I tried to come up with the definition to describe the current climate of this culture that we're living in right now, I don't know that I could come up with a better definition than than this: that that, that we we despise one another. We we are disgracing one another. That there's so much dishonor in this culture. And the reason contempt is such an issue is that when there's contempt in our heart rarely is it directed at something most often the contempt that I feel is directed towards someone or some ones. And the challenge for the church is that that when we allow contempt to fill our hearts for the very ones that we've been called to love, to serve, and to influence to Jesus, not only do we become ineffective to God's purpose, we become absolutely counterproductive to the only mission that matters, making heaven full. You see, it's, it's nearly impossible to love somebody, serve somebody, lead somebody to Jesus that you have contempt for in your heart. I'll prove it to you. Just Why don't you try to think right now of, A person that you have contempt for. Maybe a person or persons that you have great contempt for. It might be an ex spouse. It it might be a politician. It it might be a former friend or co worker. I want you to think about that person and I want you to imagine that you will have an opportunity this afternoon to serve them, maybe host them, maybe even worship alongside of them you see there's a lot of heart check that that needs to take place when there's contempt in our heart it's why i'm grateful that john three 16 doesn't start with for god had such contempt for the world that he sent his rage and his wrath instead it says for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And church, if we could only learn to live, to love, and to lead like Jesus, because here's the big idea I have for you today, and that is this, that we will never change the world until we ourselves have been changed We will never change the world until we ourselves have been changed. You wanna change the world? Let's turn this world upside down by showing our fellow man honor. You wanna change the world? You wanna make a difference this side of heaven and learn to honor. Lord, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word today that we would be people of honor, that we would reflect you. In Jesus' name, Everybody said, amen. You want to change the world? Let's start by laying down the contempt we have for our fellow man, and let's learn how to steward the gift of honor. Honor is one of our values at at Rock City, and we we say this, that that we show honor to, to those who've come before us, to those who are running with us, and to those who will carry the torch after us. To, to honor means that we add value, weight, that we elevate, we esteem, and I, I want you to think about this because it, it speaks so much to our purpose as followers of Jesus that, that we would add value, that, that we would bring light to dark spaces, that, that we would offer help and healing to the sick and the helpless, that, that we would elevate the lowly, that we would esteem and add value into every space and every place and to every person that we have the opportunity to love and to serve and to lead to Jesus. We, we, we're called to add value. That, that this is what it means to honor. To dishonor means that we devalue. We undervalue, we disparage, we disgrace, we take lightly. And what, what, what dishonor really means is when I dishonor somebody, what I've done is ultimately I've, I've determined in my heart that the person I'm dishonoring has so very little value that they are not worthy of being honored, I've determined in my heart when when I look at a group of people and I have and I have such um, j- just disdain for them, contempt for them in my heart. I've determined that there's such a lack of value within this certain group of people. Maybe maybe they think different than me, or they live different than me, or they vote different than me. Whatever it is, I have such contempt for them. I've determined in my heart that 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 there, there is so little value. There's no need for me to even consider adding value. I I would rather condemn. I would rather discard. I would rather cancel anything but honor. And and I would suspect that there is somebody who comes to mind right now who might fit that description for you. It might be a someone. It might be some ones in your life or in this world that that you've deemed, that, 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 that there is so little worth they have such little worth that they're not worthy of honor because there's not enough value in them for you to offer value to them and I'm going to say this all throughout the message church we will not change the world until we ourselves have been changed we're not going to change the world if we look like the world act like the world talk like the world we we must reclaim a culture of honor We must be people who add value while everybody else is busy tearing down. We need to be busy and at work building people up while everybody else is disparaging and discouraging. We esteem and we add value and we elevate and we show honor. I love how the Proverbs begin. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 1. Remember the first nine chapters were given the case for wisdom, but in chapter 10, that's where the real Proverbs begin. And of all the topics, of all the issues of life that Solomon could have chosen to begin his Proverbs with, he starts with this one. He says, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Now, I know the word honor isn't mentioned here, but I think we would all agree that this has everything to do with honor. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a dishonoring son brings anything but joy to his father, his mother, his friend, anybody in his life. Why? Because nobody wants to be close with anybody who by default is a dishonoring person. At some point, you, you're just not gonna put up with it. At some point, they're just not gonna put up with you if you are, by default, a dishonoring person. You're not gonna bring joy to anybody's life. You're gonna bring grief and despair. You don't add value, you, you devalue, you take away value. Now, go to the very last proverb, Proverbs thirty one thirty one. If first words matter much, I, I would submit to you that last words matter more a wife of noble character. Here's what he says, Proverbs 31, honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Solomon begins the Proverbs with the relationship of Father, son, mother, son, he ends the Proverbs with the relationship of husband and wife, of all the topics, of all the issues in life he could have chosen to open with and close with. He chooses honor within the context of relationship. Now, let me caution you. Some of you, you're like, already sitting at the edge of your seat. You, you, you're ready for this message. You're like, bring it on because you, you, you realize there's such a lack of honor in our culture. Come on, bring it on. We need more honor. Maybe you felt dishonored. But, but just know that there's somebody else maybe sitting in their seat on shore and, and they're not thinking, "Bring it on." They're, they're, they're thinking, "Come on, slow, slow it down. Don't, don't bring it on. Maybe shut it down. because somebody else maybe right beside you, there's someone who comes to mind that they've deemed unworthy of being honored. Maybe they've been hurt deeply by somebody. Maybe they they disagree with somebody on on such a significant level. Maybe maybe there's been some sort of offense that that has been brewing and brewing. And so if somebody comes to mind for you that that you think, you know what, this person is the exception. They're not worthy of honor. Let, Let me just say to you that honor doesn't begin with them. Honor begins with you. That that it really doesn't matter what they've done or what they've said or how they've treated you. It really doesn't matter if you think they're worthy of honor or not. Honor doesn't begin with them. Honor begins with you. And here's how honor begins with you, with me. Honor is when we choose to see people the way God sees people. It's choosing, it's making a choice to see somebody the way God sees them. And we preached this just a few months ago when we said this, that God has this unique ability to see a person in their God-given dignity even when they're full to the brim with depravity. And thank God he has that ability. I need God to be able to see me in my God-given dignity, even when I'm full to the brim in depravity. You might be on death row right now. You might be serving a life sentence in prison. Everybody knows what you've done. God sees you and God knows what you've done. But let me tell you something else that God sees and we see. God sees who you can still become. Yes. Well, he doesn't just see you based on what you've done. He doesn't just see you based on where you are. He sees and he knows who you can become. He sees his God-given potential inside of you. God knows my every imperfection, my every sin, and yet he still sees that potential even when I'm at rock bottom in the midst of my own self-made pitfall. He sees who I can still become. He sees potential that might be shut off and hidden from everybody else in the world. But he sees and he knows that there's more to you than who you've been, that there's more to you than what you've done, and that there is still hope for you yet. When we choose to see even those who've hurt us, harmed us, offended us the way God sees them, man, it changes Everything. And so if you're wondering, well, who do I who do I honor? Let's let's just go to First Peter chapter 2, verse 17. We honor everyone. This is what Peter says: we honor everyone. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Okay, I, I can do that. They're my brothers. Fear God. Okay, I can do that. I I, I love the Lord. Honor the Emperor. Okay. This is where it starts to get a little tricky. I I actually think that this is quite mind blowing. If if you understand when Peter writes this message, the, the people who are hearing this word, when he writes this message, the emperor was a man named Nero. And if you know anything about Nero, Nero was no hero for the Christians. Come on, somebody. Matter of fact, um, there were nearly two million Christians murdered. Come on, somebody, murdered. Many of them were martyred by Nero, under Nero's reign. He would literally hunt and murder Christians for sport. He would burn Christians just to give light to his garden. They they, they were literally called human candlesticks. He would light Christians on fire just to light his garden. Garden. Now imagine your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your best friend, your small group, maybe your entire community of believers were turned into human candlesticks by Nero. We're slaughtered, butchered, cut to pieces. And Peter is saying, Honor the emperor, church. This is worse than high gas prices and mean tweets. I just want you to understand this, it's at a whole nother level. He, he's saying, I want you to honor him too. Why? Because we honor everyone, and everyone means everyone. Besides, honor doesn't start with the emperor, honor starts with you, with me, and, and nobody's deserving of honor. If, if, if the standard to give honor is to be deserving of honor, we're, we're, there's nobody to give honor to. If, if, if worthy of honor is the standard, there is no honor. We all fall short of the standard, amen? See, we don't honor because somebody deserves it. We honor because it's the right thing to do. We, we honor because God says, I want you to honor and if God said it, that's all that matters to me. I, I don't really need to know why. I, I don't really need an explanation from God. If God said it, I'll do it, game over. Unless, you know, you, you, you would rather be a fool because honor is not fitting a fool. Proverbs 26.1. Well, I don't want to be a fool. You see, we're, we're called to do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility to consider others better than ourselves. And if they're not better than... Consider them better than, come on. Each of us should look not only to our own interest, but also to the interest of others. That's why just a few weeks ago when we served more than 9,200 teachers all across the city, more than 9,200 teachers we got to serve together. We, we didn't send out a survey first and say, hey, could you just let us know your, your political affiliation, your, your religious uh, affiliation, um, you know, we, we all know there's some wonky things being taught in, in a lot of schools, and we just want to make sure you're not one of those wonky teachers teaching things, you know, it's like, no, no, we, we didn't ask any of that. We just showed up, we served, we loved, we honored, why? Because that's what we do. We, we honor. It's why we, we do serve day. The, the next serve day is, is, is July 16th, and we, we don't knock on somebody's door and say, you know, um, are you honoring your spouse, in, in your marriage? Y'all, y'all treating your kids well? You, you have any addiction issues you, you think we might need to know about? Drugs, alcohol, you know, anything going on? We, we show up and we love. We serve and we honor. We're not asking, do, do, are you worthy of, of honor? Can, can I just say this, church? You are worthy of honor, and here, here's how I know. You are worthy of honor because God believed in you enough. To create you. Come on, somebody, to give you life. You're worthy of honor because God says you're worthy of honor. And, and I, I believe what God says, and, and I know that God cares about every person that He's made. And so my job isn't to try to figure out are you worthy? I know you're worthy because God put you here. You're worthy to be honored because you are created in the image and in the likeness of God. You have God given potential inside of you. He's not done with you yet. You have something incredible to offer the world around you my job is to love you serve you honor you it doesn't matter if you love or hate this church we're gonna love you we're gonna honor you it doesn't matter if you you love or hate god god still loves you and we're still gonna love you and we're still gonna honor you be kindly affectionate to one another in honor give preference to one another church this is so countercultural. That we would not give preference to ourselves, but we'd give preference to everybody else. That we wouldn't put ourselves first. We we would put other people first. This is how we change the world. By by reclaiming a culture of honor. by, By choosing to see people the way God sees people, by, by putting the needs of others ahead of our own needs, by, by loving people with the unconditional love of Jesus, by giving honor to everyone. So let's break it down. Who does everyone mean? We, we honor authority. Here's some of the everyone. Romans 13:1 and 2. This is a challenging verse. I, I'll give you that. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for, for there is no authority except that which God has established. It's a hard verse. Because we we, we must believe that, that, that there are uh, authorities in the world that God does not agree with. Can, can I get an amen? There, there are authorities in the world that, that God is not pleased with. that He doesn't like the direction that they're moving in. Come on, somebody. Like, there is authority in the world that, that God's not too happy with, and yet there is no authority in the world except that which God has established. The authorities exist, have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, let me just sort of break this down because this is a hard passage and I just wanna say a few things about it. And the first is that to honor authority does not mean that we abandon our convictions. To, to honor authority doesn't even always mean that we will obey authority. Ask Daniel about honoring authority. Daniel served a king who was wicked, He and yet he chose not to defy the king. He, he chose to serve the king. He gained the favor of the king, and God gave Daniel great influence. We, we all know the story of Daniel. Now, Daniel did not lay down his conviction, which is why He was at one point thrown into a den of hungry lions. He he was told not to pray, and he said, look, king, I I respect you, I honor you, but but I love and respect God more, so you're telling me not to pray, I'm going to go ahead and pray anyway. He he had friends who were thrown into a fiery furnace, why? Because they respectfully refused to bow to an image of the king, we're not going to worship you, king, we're going to worship God, respectfully, we're going to worship God. Should the law of this land ever be that we can't preach this word? I, I hate to break it to you. We're gonna preach the word. It doesn't really matter what the law is. And, and I recognize that, that, that very likely in my lifetime, there, there will be parts of this word that will likely be wrong and illegal to preach in this culture. I, I, I do. You're like, no, we can never get there. No, we're already, we're already there. We're, we're, we're getting there very quickly. I'm not just talking about places like Iran and China where where it's illegal for Christians to gather and pray and worship and study the word. Just look to Canada. The, the pastors can't preach the whole word in Canada without it be considered hate speech. And you know what pastors are doing? They're preaching the word anyway. You know what people are doing in China? They're gathering anyway. You know what the church is doing in Iran? They're studying the Bible, they're, they're sharing their faith anyway. To, to, to honor, that doesn't mean that we lay down our convictions, but, but, it, but it also means that, that we're not going to disparage authority. And, and the authority is not just government, you know, there's school authority, students, honor your teachers, there's work authority, whoever leads you, honor. Whoever leads you, there's, there's familial authority, parental authority, we'll get to that in a moment. There's, there's military authority. This is why we, we, we celebrate our military. We honor them, we, we honor first responders, we honor police officers, we honor teachers, we honor parents, come on, because this is what we do. We show honor. And there's spiritual authority. First Timothy chapter five. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well I love how he puts well there. It's like, that's the well, are worthy of double honor. Maybe those who don't, uh, uh, you know, direct affairs quite well, maybe they're just deserving of single honor, I don't know, but worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Now, I I don't want this to come across as self-serving, so I'm gonna deflect this just a moment and, and share with you how I put this to practice. This is my pastor, Pastor Rick Bezat. This is my pastor, and he is Pastor Rick BZ. I know guys who he's just Rick to. He's not Rick to me. He, he's not my bro. He's my pastor. He's, 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 he's a mentor. He's a friend, but he's my pastor. And I will only ever, when I text him, it's, hey, Pastor Rick. When I call him, it's Pastor Rick. When Pastor Jeff comes to town, he, he was my childhood pastor. And both Pastor Rick and Pastor Jeff serve as overseers of this church. I, I say, Pastor Jeff, I, I show honor. One time, I had asked my wife, Katie, to to text uh, one of my mentors, and and um, we have a really close relationship. This mentor and I, and, and so we we've, we've known each other a long time. And, and I said, Hey, can you send this text quick? I think maybe I was driving, and and uh, I told her what to say. And, and and later on, I looked at the text, and and she had just you know she was trying to like put herself in in my voice, and so she said, Hey, man, uh, just quick question. And um, asked Katie, I was mortified. I said, baby, he's not, hey man, to me. He's not my man. He is pastor. Like he's a mentor. I don't, I don't say, hey man, like, like go back and look at my text. And she wasn't trying to be dishonoring. She was just trying to think, like, how would you know a guy talk to another guy? And uh, and and so with her blessing, and I wouldn't have done this without it, but with her blessing, I I said, baby, I need to call him and just tell him that you sent that message, not me. I don't want to dishonor you, but I, I just need, I need him to know like, my goodness, my girls, as they've grown up in the church, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm the lead pastor and, but it, look, that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that my girls respect and honor the pastors that God puts in their life. And so I've always referred to our pastors. as That's Pastor Steve. That's Pastor Becky. That's Pastor Dave. That's Pastor Brittany. That, that's Pastor Kayum it's just a way that we show honor. You feel me? Are you with me here? We honor our parents. Our parents. Matter of fact, this is the first, read this. Ephesians chapter six, verse two and three. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. It's right there in the Bible. Honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you. Come on, somebody needs to underline that word. With you. Honor your mom and dad so that you will enjoy long life here on the earth. Come on. (laughs) You want to live a long life, kids? Honor your parents. If you're grown, you still want to live a long life? Honor your parents. It doesn't matter if you think they deserve it. If you want to live a long life, if you want life to go well for you, come on. Maybe life won't go well for them. Maybe they don't deserve it. I don't know, but if you want life to go well for you, honor your parents. I, I can't hardly stand watching sitcoms because of how dishonoring the, the kids are to their parents. It's like, and, and, and dads, don't even get me started on how, how dads, and I know we've, we've, we've made a mess of fatherhood so much, and, and like it's like, yeah, we, we we become a caricature. Is that how you say that word? Caricature. I can hardly, I, I won't even watch a sitcom if, if, if the, the balance of the relationship is here's the kids and we're just going to dishonor our mom and dad. We're not going to have that in our house. Why? Because we're trying to build a culture of honor. We honor marriage. Both at the micro and macro level. And by micro and macro, I mean we honor at the macro level marriage as something that God has created for a very specific purpose and with very specific boundaries. And what, what you need to understand about God's design and God's plan, th- th- this picture that marriage is, is meant to, 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 to show us the, the relationship between God and his church, Jesus and the church. When, when you start to take away the boundaries of any design, you, you no longer have a design, you, you have a disaster. When you remove the boundaries of an image, you, you don't have an image, you, you have a mess, and we, we, we've made a mess of marriage both at the macro level and the micro level. At the micro level, when a husband does not honor his wife in marriage, we made a mess. We make a mess of marriage. When a wife doesn't honor her husband, we make a mess. When a husband or a wife is unfaithful, we make a mess of marriage. At the macro level, when, when marriage becomes and anything goes Institution, you can marry a tree today if you want to. In some places, we, we've made a mess of, of marriage. When you dilute God's purpose, you weaken it. When, when you erase God's boundaries, you, you no longer have an image, you have a mess. And we've made a mess, of marriage. See, the Bible says in Hebrews 13 that marriage should be honored by all, macro. And the marriage bed kept pure, Micro. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Now, let me just say this about marriage, that marriage is not the ultimate end goal of life. It's not the pinnacle of, of life. Jesus is, come on somebody, serving Jesus is. We, 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 don't, we, we don't give singleness enough uh, credit. We don't give singleness enough honor. It's almost like in, in today's culture, Christian culture, if you're not married there's something wrong with you. But, but that, that, does, that is not what the scripture says. It is not what the scripture says. I, I saw a quote the other day. I had to, had to share it. It said this, that we worship a virgin. Not Mary, Jesus. Jesus was a virgin. Obviously there is a way to have a great life without having a sex life. Without being married. Jesus wasn't married. That's what it takes to not live out our deepest, darkest, most debased desires. Like you don't have to be married to be happy. You don't have to have sex and be married to, to live a great life. Jesus lived a great life. Can I get an amen from somebody? No. I know that's a hard truth, but it's a, it's a so true truth. Husbands must give honor to their wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. Honoring your spouse matters so much husbands that that, that a husband who does not honor his wife will have a hindered prayer life. Just just chew on that for a moment. Let each of you love his wife as he loves himself, which for most of us, that's a lot. Come on. (laughs) And let the wife see that she also respects her husband at the micro and at the macro level. We honor elders, elders. It's not wisdom found among the aged. Does not long life bring understanding? Job 12, 12. Leviticus nineteen thirty two. rise in the presence of the age. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God for I am the Lord. We honor our elders. Just a few weeks ago, my, my family, we, we celebrated my, my oldest daughter's 15th birthday, and we, at the same time, were celebrating Pastor Lou's 90th birthday. I have a picture. This is my family, and this is Pastor Lou, and with us are the Campbells, Pastor Steve and Wanda Campbell, and if, if you don't know the story, we, we inherited our short north campus, and that facility that is the Dream Center, it used to be called The Better Way, And the Garden Church. And we we inherited that ministry from the Campbells, from Pastor Steve and Wanda. And Lou, who is turning 90, and her late husband, Bob, served as associate pastors to Pastor Steve and Wanda. And when we inherited that ministry, we, we brought them all on staff. Steve and Wanda still serve on staff. Steve's one of our board of directors today. Pastor Lou, she still serves full time in the church at 90 years old. She still serves. She counsels women in the church. She mentors women. She does pre-marriage counseling. She, she comes to every staff meeting, every all staff meeting that we have, Pastor Lou is there. And Anytime I have the chance to show honor to those who've come before us, I will show honor. Why? Because I know we didn't just get here all by ourselves. Come on, somebody. We didn't just get here all by ourselves. That Polaris property, we, we didn't come up with that idea. God did, and, and he gave it to us through those who've come before us. And if I could just encourage every young person here today to do one thing, it would be this, that you need to find somebody who's much older than you, somebody that you respect. I believe it's on the younger generation to engage the older generation. I think some of the older generation, some of our elders, they're just sort of sitting back thinking, you know, these young people, they don't know, you know, they don't wanna hear from me. They just want to lead they've got great ideas and maybe our time is, you know, is, is up, you know, we, we should just sit back and no, 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 we need your wisdom. We, we need to know how have you been married for 60, 70 years. We need to know how did you finish well. We, we need to know what don't we know. Come on, we think we know a lot, but we, but, but there's so much we don't know. We, we need to know, do you see any blind spots in our leadership? Do you see any blind spots in this marriage? Do Do you see anything that I can't see? And I'm telling you, this will change your life. I've done this all throughout my life, which is one of the reasons why I think we are where we are today. Find somebody who's so farther ahead than you, who's done what you dream to someday do and learn from them. Just invite yourself over for dinner. Older people cook more than younger people do anyway. They'll, they'll cook you a great, great meal. Make them pay for it. They'll, they'll be happy to. They'll, they'll just be glad you asked. You asked yourself over. I, I did it not too long ago. I just asked myself over somebody's house and they cooked me a great meal. I, and I brought friends too. I said, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing friends. <laughs> Number six, we honor creation, nature. Why? Because everything God made, God values Everything God gives, we steward. Now, if you uh, ascribe to a secular worldview, you're, you're gonna see this from a very different perspective. You're like, yeah, honor nature, yeah. Save the planet, yes. Because <laughs> if you have a secular mindset, you, you, your thought is that, that the earth is the gemstone and that people are like cancer on the earth, destroying the planet. But, but I, I just want you to understand that there would be no planet if there weren't people you gotta read your Bible. Man is not a cancer to the planet. Man is the pinnacle of God's creation. Humanity is the apple of God's eye. He made the world for you and I to live and to steward and to enjoy, and yes, to care for. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful. I want you to say this out loud with me. Be fruitful and what? And increase, say it again, and increase in number. If Bill Gates would just read the Bible, he wouldn't be so giddy when it comes to population control. Come on. I I, I, I just need you to know that, that the more time you spend in the word of God, you'll notice that the prevailing word and wind of the world will always run contrary to what God said. God said, be fruitful. God said, multiply. God said, increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. If you spend more time listening to culture's insanity than God's truth, This has made its way deep into our politics and even into our churches. The the idea of the world, it's, it's all about limiting our population and our potential because in the secular mind, creation is king and humanity is the curse. But that is the antithesis of God's design and God's desire. The earth won't be better off without us. There would be no earth if not for us. God designed the world for you and I to thrive, to live, to rule. God gave us this world as a gift to steward. We steward every gift. And so yes, we need to steward well. Yes, we need to pay attention to the environment. Yes, we need to be incredible stewards of this gift, but let's not, let's not get it backwards and think that you know people are the problem and if we just sort of limited how many people we brought into the earth, we would, be, we would be going against God's very first command to be fruitful and multiply. Besides, this is who we honor anyway. We have this mindset often because we've abandoned God we, we don't abandon God, church. We, we honor God. We honor God. We honor his word. We honor God by stewarding well this life that he's given us. We honor God by putting God first in everything and always. We honor God by, by, by loving and serving our, our fellow man as, as God has called us to love and serve every person he's created. We honor God by praising him with, with the tongue. James chapter three, we praise our Lord and Father. And yet with the tongue, we also curse our fellow human beings who were made in the image of God. James says, out of the same mouth, come praise and cursing. My, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. We honor God by putting him first and by adding value to those that God's created, by by speaking life over people, by, by putting the needs of others before our own, by not disparaging and dishonoring, but by honoring in word and in deed. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up. That's showing honor according to their needs. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Sounds a whole lot like that first proverb we open with. Honor God with everything. Give him the first and the best, always. Why, because we're never gonna change the world until we ourselves have first been changed. And so here's the question I wanna close with right now. Here's the question I want you to consider. Is there contempt in your heart for anyone? Are you a person of honor? Do you know how to honor? Do you honor well? Is there somebody or someone that that is difficult for you to honor? Because remember, if there is contempt in your heart for anyone ever, it's not on them, it's on you. you despise somebody it's not on them it's on you so I want you to be honest before the Lord right now is there contempt in your heart for anybody and if maybe you're not so sure might you pray the prayer that David prayed Psalm 139 search me God and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts. See, there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Psalm 51, create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. This is when we change the world so that sinners will turn back to you.
1: Creating me a clean
0: a verse is it not see this is what I love about moments like this moment that the Holy Spirit is speaking to people's heart all across this room in every space we're gathered in your home in your prison cell Because that's what he does and I wonder if he's revealed to you contempt in your heart that perhaps you didn't even know was there Or maybe for the first time, you're you're feeling conviction like you've never felt before. Here's what I want us to do, would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? And I want us to just take a moment right now. Is there any contempt in my heart? What are you saying, Lord? Do I despise somebody, anybody? What are you saying, Lord? there anything in my heart that is not pleasing to you? Let me see it. That we may be a people of honor. That we would choose to see people the way you see them. You would use us to change the world because we're different. Because we look more like you. Because we love the way you love. Because you're leading us. We're not leading ourselves, you're leading us. Would you help us to walk this out? As we lay down our contempt, our anger, our frustrations, our bitterness, that has been unresolved. As we trust you. Create in us a clean heart, oh God. I'm gonna say to you who are here right now, every head bowed bowed and every eye closed, If, if you don't know Jesus, if you're not saved but you wanna be saved, you don't know if you've been forgiven but you wanna know that your sins are forgiven, the Bible says we've all sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God. And the wage of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. I'm gonna give you the opportunity right now where you are from your home, from your prison cell, from one of these rooms that we're gathered in right now to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Would you just pray this prayer? You wanna be saved, forgiven. You you wanna know that heaven is your guaranteed final home, forever home. Say, Jesus, I need you. I trust you as Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from the inside out. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me day by day as I choose to follow you. Lord, would you use me to change the world as you right now begin a transforming work and changing me? Would you use me to make a difference for your kingdom, to make heaven full? Just like now, I'm being added to the roll call of heaven. Thank you for grace and mercy, forgiveness, power, and purpose. In Jesus' name, everybody says.